what God's God's been showing them. So, brother. Let's uh, let's look at Psalms 23. Glad you picked that song, Jamie. That is one of my favorites. I feel like traveling on. When I when I think about that prospect, just cold chills go up and down my spine when we make that final journey. Psalm 23. I I know uh, we've heard that a lot. I preached from that not uh, too long ago, really. But I'm telling you, it's uh, like Jamie brought up. It's troublesome times. And we really need reassurance from time to time. And to me, this is the most re- one of the most reassuring books of the Bible, some of the most reassuring verses right here. And uh, God uh, opened up my eyes to some things in here that I've never really seen before. So Psalm 23, the creator of the universe inspired David to write, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful to be your children, and we're so uh, we love the way that you love us, Lord. Uh, that you have that grace and mercy for us, that you have that unfathomable love that we'll probably never really understand until we're with you face to face. And, Lord, we just thank you so much for that. Lord, I just want to uh, pray that you uh, give me the freedom to preach, to hide me behind the cross so that your message pours forth. And, Lord, I want to say an extra special prayer for that lost sinner out there, the lost and dying world, and I just pray for each and every one of those that need to come to you, Lord. Father, I just pray that thy will be done in all things. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. There you go, Jamie. Mercy. Mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That's mercy for eternity, right? Because I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, when I when I read that, I almost I almost want to scream like Sam Kennison. Who remembers Sam Kennison? Forever, forever, for eternity in the house of the Lord. He says, "The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd." He's talking about an individual leader, right? He maketh me to do these things. He maketh me. I have to do what he says, which is what I want to do in the first place, right? I want to lie down in green pastures. I want to be beside still waters, waters that are not troubled and roiled and everything always in a big mess. He restoreth my soul. That's the, that's the big one right there, isn't it? 
our restoration. It's what Jesus did for us, our restoration. So when I, when I read this, I see the Lord, as David writes it, as an individual shepherd, as a shepherd for David. But we know that a shepherd has a flock, right? A shepherd is for everybody. A shepherd takes care of everyone. Every member of that flock is under the shepherd's control. And that's the way Jesus is. Each and every one of us is under the watchful eye of Jesus Christ, our shepherd. But he's just as much on us, keeping an eye on us, as he is the flock. We don't have a piece of Jesus. We don't have a piece of Jesus watching us. Jamie doesn't have a piece of Jesus watching him. And Anita doesn't have just the piece of the Lord that's taking care of her. She has the complete Lord. Greg has the complete Lord. Just like we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. We're not, we're not indwelt by a little bit of the Holy Spirit. We're indwelt by the complete Holy Spirit. And each and every one of us are. Amen? But this is also about the church. If you've studied the Bible much, you'll know that in Psalm 22, David gives some prophecy about the crucifixion, about the coming of Jesus, about the, 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 the trials and tribulations of Jesus Christ. I don't think it's any coincidence. I don't know about you all, but I don't believe in coincidences. I don't believe that chapter 22 is put right before chapter 23 because we have the sufferings of the Lord. Then we have the Lord as our Savior. I think David is a man of prophecy. We, we can read different psalms and see where he prophesies about things. I believe Psalm 23 is not just about David's walk with the Lord, but about the future. I believe David is prophesying about that time when we are with God, we're with Jesus, we're with the Holy Spirit on, on this new earth. When God is tabernacling with us, when we are lying down by the still waters, right? The life, the, the water, the living river of living waters. David is seeing this because he says we'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever, for eternity. Forever! Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. A place where I can relax and enjoy a meal and have sup and, and don't have to worry about my enemies. You know, David was constantly barraged by enemies. Saul was looking for him. He had, he had different uh, troubles. He's talking about a time when there will be no more troubles. He's talking about a time when there will be no more uh, kings after him. He's talking about a time when there will be no more trouble, but it will be goodness and mercy all the days of his life. And all the days of his life will be in the house of the Lord. So Revelation 21 says that the Lord will tabernacle with us. That's the Lord with living with us. That's what tabernacle means. Tabernacle is basically a tent. And that's what the tabernacle was. It was a tent where they came and they offered sacrifices. Later the temple. 
So the temple of God, his tabernacle, will be on earth. With us, we will be in the house of the Lord forever. And that gives me such great joy and hope and steadfastness. Because that's what we need at this time. At this time in our history, through the things that we're going through, we need a lot of things. And we need a lot of things from Jesus, but one of the things we need is steadfastness. We need to hang in there. We need to keep that hope of our salvation alive. That hope is not a maybe. It's a guaranteed expectation that the Lord is coming again. It is without a doubt, without a doubt, confirmed of the first coming of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came. He was our sacrificial lamb. He died on that cross to pay for our sins. And he arose three days later so we could be resurrected in life with him and be a joint heir with him forever, forever and ever. When Jesus did that, he set us free. He set us free. That was the goodness and mercy. His his death and his resurrection is that goodness and mercy that will follow us all the days of our life. His goodness and mercy is what allows for us to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He anointeth my head with oil. My cup runneth over. There's no better sign of a rich life than being anointed by oil. They did that for many reasons, but one of them is to anoint a king. They anointed him with oil. David was anointed with a king, but you know what? Each and every one of us will have that same anointment because we are joint heirs. With Jesus Christ. That makes us all kings, doesn't it? Makes us all kings. So, David is talking about a shepherd that is concerned with him. And he's talking about a shepherd that is concerned with his church, with his flock, with his church. We are his flock, are we not? Yes, we are the flock of Jesus Christ. So actually, when I, when I go back to Psalms 23, and we look at that, and we think about it being the past, and this is the way David lived his life. He became a man after God's own heart. was a man after God's own heart because the Lord was his shepherd. I think it says that the Lord is my shepherd, was his shepherd, is still his shepherd, and will always be his shepherd. So what I'd like you to do now is turn to Acts 2. David had, had a way of worshiping the Lord. We're now in the church age. Now in the church age. And we're looking forward to that second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, How do we know there's going to be a second coming? How do we know that? Well, Jesus prophesied that. He said he would be back. Throughout the Bible, there's prophecy about the first coming and the second coming. A lot of times in the Bible, they didn't see that gap. 
They didn't see the, the suffering and the glory. It was all one thing for, for them. They saw the suffering. They saw the glory. But they didn't realize it was two separate events, two separate times that Jesus would be on this earth. The time between that is the church age. That's what we're in now, right? In Acts 2, verse 42, it says, They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, and all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. All those that were saved were added to the church. They were all broken sinners until Jesus Christ came into their life. And as they were saved, they were added to the church. Sometimes we wonder, are we doing church the right way? We don't really do it the way they did it in the New Testament times, the times of act in the, in the first century church. But really, we do. They met in houses, but they also got together in, in bigger groups. What did they do? What did they do in these services? When Colossians three fifteen through 17, I'll just read it real quick. Paul writes, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body. And be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Haven't we been doing that this evening? We are doing what Paul writes about. And if you take uh, what was written in Acts 2 and some of the other indications we get in the other books of Acts, what were they doing during these services? They were worshiping. And I don't mean singing songs. They were worshiping God. I don't know when uh, worship got changed into singing, but when I was a kid, worship was coming to God and coming to church and worshiping God. We didn't have a worship leader who was separate from the pastor. We had a song leader. We had a music leader. And we worshiped from the time we came through those doors to the time we left. So that was worship. What is worship? Praising God. It's pleasing God. That is worship to Him. Ministering to God is, is worshiping Him and doing His will. Now, they practiced the spiritual gifts. This was the Apostles' time, the Apostles' Creed. Now, the Apostles didn't have a creed that they came up with. The Apostles' Creed was the Word of Jesus. They were doing what Jesus told them. That's the Apostles' Creed. It wasn't, it wasn't anything that uh, was wrapped up differently than what Jesus taught. They taught what Jesus taught. That was the Apostles' Creed. It became known as the Apostles' Creed because why? They were the ones doing it. They were the ones preaching it. 
Just like when I tell a bad joke, somebody says, oh, that was one of Calvin's bad jokes. Well, that didn't really start with me, but I get blamed for it. They did teaching. They did teaching. We pride ourselves on, on thinking that teaching is the best part of church. Preaching and singing is good, but teaching, discipling, making disciples, that's what we need to be doing. That's what we need to concentrate on. And we, we do that. Prayer. We ought to be in prayer constantly. Constantly in prayer. Paul says pray unceasingly. I means keep that line of communication open. I'm not telling anything you don't know. Fellowship. We need fellowship with each other. That's what they were doing in these household churches. They were having fellowship. And evangelism. They would break bread together. Some of those times were the Lord's Supper. Some of the times they were just breaking the bread in fellowship. My brother one time, uh, several years ago, he said, we're starting a church softball league. And uh, just wondered if uh, your church would like to be in it. I said, well, I don't know. Uh, most people in our church are kind of old. We may not be too good at softball players. And he said, oh, it, it doesn't matter about that. We just, we just do it for the fellowship. I said, well, let's, when us Baptist fellowship, we just get together and eat. So, so now if they had a church eating league, I'd, I'd be right there. So they were having, they were having fellowship. But not just eating. They were, they were living and, and being together. You know, they, uh, they had everything in common at this time. And they were, everybody shared with what everybody had. And, that, and they lifted each other up. They exalted each other. And they exalted the Lord. That was the most important part of, of exaltation is exalting the Lord. Baptism. They were baptizing people daily. As they got saved and joined the church, they were baptized. They follow the Lord in obedience and baptism. All these things are what we do today when we come together as the body of Christ. And I'm going to try to keep myself from saying we need to do things like they did in the New Testament church. Well, we're doing things like they did in the New Testament church. This church is not this building. We could do this at Millennium Park. We have done this at Millennium Park. We could do this on the bank of uh, Hanging Fork. Well, we've had baptisms, you know. We could hold church service there, too. As long as we're together as the body of Christ, as long as two or more are gathered together in His name, He's there with us. He's there with us now. But here's the most important thing I want to bring to mind. Here's the big difference between the, uh, the Acts church, the New Testament church, and this age's church, and that's solemnity. Did I say that right? Too solemn. We're sitting there like it's a funeral. Many times we're sitting there like it's a funeral. I hear us singing and, and we're, we're singing uh, Amazing Grace. How... You know, you, you, can't, you can't hear it. When we're, when we're singing, we ought to be worshiping God by singing out. Not whispering His name, but shouting His name. Because we're going to live in the house of the Lord forever! So let's quit being so solemn. Let's have a smile on our face. Because our name is written in heaven. Our name is written in heaven. And that trumps everything. I use that constantly in whatever 
trial or tribulation I'm going to, my name is written in heaven, and this will be over with. This too shall pass. Some great, that's some great literature right there, straight from the Bible. This too shall pass. Then there's coming that day when we're traveling on to bigger and better things. Which reminds me, it's a good segue to 1 Corinthians 15. We've been talking about the past and the present. So, since we got three points, we might as well talk about, we should have three points. As a good preacher, let's talk about the future. 1 Corinthians 15. There's many examples that I could give of this glorious future, but I love this one. We've heard it a lot. If you've been to funerals, you hear it a lot. But this is not a funeral message. It is, but it's not. This is a big smiling, my name is written in heaven message is what this is. And in verse 50, he writes, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. There's that word steadfast again. Be steadfast in the work of the Lord, in the knowledge of His coming, and in, 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 in the knowing that we're going to live eternity, an eternal glory face to face with our Heavenly Father and our Savior our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Could go off on several tangents here. There's a lot can be preached out of these eight verses. But the thing that, that, that needs to be preached and it needs to happen is that this corruption is going to put on incorruption. Incorruption. It's a simple word. It's a little word, but it means so much. It means no more sin. It means we will be incapable of sin. This fleshly body is one that is a friend of sin, is full of sin, and loves sin, and, and we have to control it. Paul wrote about that. We have to control our members because we are fleshly people. And the Lord Jesus Christ helps us do that. And someday, 
when we put on that corruption, when we have seen that victory over death, we will be sinful no more. We will be incapable of sin. We'll be one with God, incapable of corruption. When you think of corruption, it's not just talking about crooked politicians or you know, a local businessman getting by. With, it's talking about rottenness. That's the corruption it's talking about. Talking about rottenness, putridness, stinkingness. That's what we are. And we're going to be incorruptible, glorified, the most beautiful, the most, the most, most. That's, that's, I can't imagine it except for that. We're going to be the most, most. We love and serve an infinite God, and He's going to make us infinite. But you've got to remember, right now, we're infinite. Do you realize that? If you're saved, if you're a child of God, if you have accepted Christ as your Savior, you're infinite right now. You're in the presence of the Lord. The Lord has indwelt you right here. You are in His presence constantly. It breaks my heart. It brings tears to my eyes when I think of some of the places I have taken the Lord. When some, some of the things I have done being indwelt with His Spirit. But as bad as that makes me feel, it makes me feel so happy knowing that all that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The graveyard will be no more. No more graveyard. Think about that for a minute. No more crying. No more death. No more anything but an eternity of glory with Jesus Christ. I could go on and on and on, but I'm not going to because I think you got the message that the Lord is our shepherd and we will dwell in His house forever right now we visit his house this is the house of God we live in his house don't you know that your body is the temple of God we're in the presence of the Lord and one day we're going to be physically in his presence and what a day that will be I know we don't have uh, Brian here to to do an invitation, but I don't see why we can't. Because I, I, I always want to open or close with an invitation. I always want the altar to be open for 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 uh, choices, for prayer. Anybody who needs to come forward to pray, to pray about decisions, maybe, maybe you need to get right with God again. Maybe you need to rededicate your life and say, Lord, it's time for me to start living for you again. I know I have been, and I've kind of fallen off a little bit. As for me, I fell off for a long time. And uh, it was a long, long cliff that I fell off of, but I'm back at the top of it again. Better, better and bigger than before. You can be that way too. I can't read anybody's hearts. I like to believe everybody in this room is a saved child of God. But if you're not, now's the time for you to come forward. There's no time like the present to be saved, be a child of God. Don't put it off any longer. You can see the times 
Times are getting shorter. Once, once Jesus comes, it's too late. If you walk out that door, have a heart attack, get hit by a car, get mugged, it's too late. Don't wait until it's too late. Let's, uh, let's sing a verse of Amazing Grace, please. And we'll open this song.